Welcome to the Why God Why podcast, brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Dylan Carnival, and I'm the Browncroft staff and producer of the show. I'm joined today by our host, Peter Engort, the director of adult ministries at Browncroft, and John Amayo, the New York State crew director. Why God Why is a podcast where we ask 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. And today we have our senior pastor, Rob Catalani. He's here today, and we're talking about the question, Why God Why is the coronavirus destroying my world? Wow. This is a very apropos question. This there there is not a question that's more relevant, maybe that we've asked in all of this podcast, the podcast that we've done than this one right here. Why is coronavirus destroying my world, Peter? And who who would have ever thought this was like we yeah. we planned this podcast in about four hours. We did, and like many of you, I mean, I'm thinking about last Wednesday. I knew coronavirus was a big deal. Every day, it felt like the volume was getting turned up 10 notches. And, um, you know, I'm sure that many of you, like us, you're adjusting to working at home. You might have anxiety about your job. Um, some of you are parents out there, and you're stuck with your kids for the next who knows how long when you hear this podcast. So we just thought we'd bring in, you know, our senior pastor of our church. If you don't know him, Rob Catalani. He did a episode before on that's actually pretty close to this. Yeah, that's a good one. About suffering. And so, yeah, John, why don't you take it away? Yeah, well, uh, totally agree with everything that you're saying. I just think it's very, again, this is very indicative of the environment that we're living in. My wife sent me here to this podcast with a uh, bottle of Lysol wipes. Peter, when I got here, you had a table on the table that we're, we're talking at right now. You had a container of Lysol wipes. It's like our whole world has changed in the course of a week. So it's a conspiracy by Lysol. It is. It's a Lysol <laughs> conspiracy. Let's talk. No, uh, but it could be. I No, I don't think so. But... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, without further ado to address this and to help us walk through it, really, and to just bring a little bit of sanity into our lives, uh, we got uh, our pastor, our friend, Rob Catalani here with us. Thanks for joining us, Rob. Thanks for having me. Glad yeah. to be here. Yeah. So let's start with you personally. Um, what's the biggest impact the coronavirus is having on you? What is the biggest impact? Well, um, you want the honest answer? Or, well, you know... Uh, my gym closed last night at eight o'clock. I was very That's depressed right. about that. Yeah. And I didn't know. Um, so I'm just mean my personal life. When I, uh, uh, it's funny how you just, you know, you, you, you think about things. Um, you don't think about things until you have to. So yes, I've been paying attention to the coronavirus. Yes, we spent many days last week even, you know, uh, as you said, Pete, um, last Thursday in particular and Friday were, were, you know, I'd put them on the, one of the top, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, game-changing days in my ministry career. So obviously I've been thinking about it. We, we, we suspended our services and all that. But personally, you know, I kind of rolled with those punches once they came. Well, last night I went to the gym. There's a sign on the door that said, we're closing at 8 tonight. And then on after that, I went to Wegmans. Oh, and there was a sign on, I know I've been, people have been talking about it. I've, I've, mostly I miss those aisles and it's been fine. But this one said, um, all the prepared foods were all crammed together and um it said you know suspended indefinitely so the the sort of short answer of even my my personal life um it's 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 creeped all the way into you know those things about what i eat and uh, 
in my uh, you know my gym experience. So it's uh, it just makes me realize back to the title of even this podcast. You know, it's uh, it's one thing to watch the news. You know, there's something going on in China, or there's something going on in New York City, or there's something that's hit you know parts of Northern California or Washington, but it's really showed up in the in the micro. Yeah, you know, in, of our lives. Yeah, and I, uh, and you know, before we were uh, officially recording, I was telling you about even my own experience. Last week at this time, I was walking campuses in the Hudson Valley area here in New York State and just uh, walking those with some people, talking about ministry on those campuses. And the next day, so that was just a week ago from from today as we're recording this, the next day I'm driving home and on the drive home, I hear an announcement from uh, Andrew Cuomo, or the Cuomo, Cuomo, the governor of New York, that all of the state schools in New York were being uh, closed down and just going virtual. Like in the course of a day, all of that dramatically changed. And now my whole world too has gone virtual in the matter of boom, just like that. Um, so it's just unbelievable and unprecedented really in the the rate that it's it's gone. Peter, how about, how about you and your life in this? You know, I've talked with... You know, Rob and I were at a meeting and it's just, it's interesting to hear different people's perspectives because I'm finding that like, so, I mean, there's some people that like, hey, let's press on life as usual. Um, you know, I think my wife and I, our biggest fear is we don't want to get anybody sick that's going to die. Mm -hmm. Like if we got the coronavirus, like if we heard today, like it sounds like it's pretty manageable. Um, you know, but even thinking about this, like, you know, my little daughter is apparently the carrier. Like, how do we know if she's not a carrier to get someone sick? And so, I mean, we're adjusting, you know, our hours. And, you know, thankfully, you know, work for a great church. My wife's, you know, in private practice. And, like, we're making it work. You know, yesterday, you know, I I worked while Haley watched VeggieTales. And then my wife took over. And so we're just rearranging our schedules and I just know that there's some people that like they might not have a job after this week. So, you know, I think there's a, hey, let's get through it on our own. But then there's kind of an eye towards how many people are going through this right now. So, right. And, and Rob, you know, this was the first Sunday. Yeah. I think this is the first this Sunday it. that you've ever just preach to a congregation that yeah. wasn't there physically, right? Well, that's true. And, and it's also the first Sunday that I that we've ever um, you know outside of a snowstorm maybe mm -hmm. we've done that two times right. in twelve years or something but we've actually canceled or suspended our services um, so both things were true yes it was you know standing in a room with a few people uh, who were working with us uh, you know the, the the crew but it was also you know a little surreal it goes back to even your question you know, what is it, how has it, it, the coronavirus affected me? One, it's in that sort of practical way that you mentioned, but I'm answering, I'm asking myself the question, you know, what does it mean to be a pastor when your church, in a manner of speaking, is closed? You know, and, uh, and you know, it's only, I'm only a couple days into it. And even today, even in some meetings that Pete mentioned that we've had today, it's, you know, not only are there our staff sort of, you know, some of our staff are not even present, you know, for maybe some of these reasons, you know, I mean, the sense of they're being careful or they're, you know, whatever the case is. 
And then we were, I was just in a meeting earlier and, you know, we were talking about this coming Sunday. Well, you know, X, Y, and Z volunteers, nobody's, no one's announced they have the coronavirus, but I mean, right. our, our concern. So all of a sudden, you know, not just, we're not having services because we can't have more than, you know, X hundreds of people in a room, but it's like all of a sudden, you know, what does it mean to, to pastor when your congregation's not present, when your volunteer corps is thinning out relative to being here? It's just a, that's an interesting question. Well, and you know, it's funny, this is, we're kind of giving people the behind the scenes. I think it was, it was Friday night that you texted me at about 10 o'clock. Yeah. And, and was that Friday I, I or think Thursday? Maybe it was Thursday or Friday. It was one of those. Oh, so that's a great point. Well, so, so <laughs> we're usually, here's a, here's a, here's a, a, a caveat. We're usually more organized than this. Go, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think people understand, but so, I mean, we had a planned series on generosity right. and Rob's question to me is, you know, and actually the next series is about the end of the world. Rob's like, should we flip flop series? Yeah. So oh, wow. I, I think it's really interesting, you know, just for our listeners, even if they go to other churches, I think this topic is huge. Why did you stick with talking about generosity? Oh, it's a great question. And let me try to say this quickly. I'm not uh, in the sense of what Pete said is, we did have a series. I'm doing the book of Matthew for a year plus, and it was planned, and it is still planned, and the Sunday after Easter to do the Olivet Discourse, 20, Matthew 24 and 25, which we could loosely call the end of the world. And so it was someone else's idea, and I thought this was Thursday afternoon, and I thought, wow, maybe this is timely. We should do this. And I talked to two or three people, and, and they said, this makes sense. And then, I didn't tell you this, Pete, you, you were one of them, but... Two or other three people, Pete was also one of them, so I'm, 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 I'm outing him, <laughs> but who said, um, you know, I'm not sure that's a good idea. And uh, one of my very close friends, who is, you know, a very close friend of mine, and, and I was almost calling him looking for affirmation, and he said, he was almost joking, like, am I talking to Rob Catalan? Like, are you serious? That's a really bad idea. In other words, um, why are you going after that? And in almost like he didn't use these words, but, you know, I don't know if people need to hear, got back to what you were saying before we even started this podcast, you know, uh, the kick them when they're down kind of thing. So it's funny how I, I was very convinced, maybe this is of the Lord, even though it was a lot of work to rework a sermon in about 24 hours and change gears. But then to answer your question, Pete, I, I think I got, took some good counsel. I got up, wasn't until Friday morning. And I sat down for an hour, maybe seven to eight in the morning, and I thought, one, it's probably not, um, it's a little too fresh, it's a little too um, um, harsh or a little bit too raw, and more importantly on the positive, you know, generosity, a series, sometimes in church you think it's about money. Well, this is includes, it's one form of giving, but generosity really is about is about um, giving beyond what you've been given. It's about, re it's about, I don't know what's a good metaphor. Your cup overflows. It's generosity is about is about um, is about giving um, beyond what is expected. And in in the first message was about receiving that from God and turning around and giving that. And what more do we need as a culture, as a church? Back to the question of what does it mean to be a pastor? What does it mean to be a Christian in the coronavirus? I think what it means to be a Christian in the coronavirus is that it's not defined by what I do from nine to noon on Sunday. 
It's not defined by my circumscribed um, experience. It's really defined by how I'm living um, in in gracious ways to people around me. So that that's that, that's a summary of how my thinking went and said, let's stay with plan A. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love the you walking us through that process because that that's a very tense time when yeah. you're trying to decide what am I going to communicate to right. people who like. Similarly, and you referenced this in your sermon, 9-11, yeah. as a, a, maybe one of the only other times. Yeah. I was processing that with you know the staff that I oversee was like, the only time I've felt like this has been like right after 9-11, yeah. kind of the, the what in the world is going to happen next. Right. And what do we say? Right. And what do you say? Right. What do you say to people? Like yeah. 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 So let's go back to that you know, sermon that you, you, as you talked about generosity, what do you think, and specifically as people are in the midst of dealing with a crisis right now? So, you know, a lot of us are adjusting to a whole new way of life. Our lives have been flipped upside down. What does it look like to live a a generous life in the midst of a crisis going on? Well, I think, you know, one thing is that it's the, the sort of the irony of the, you know, social distancing thing means in one sense, you're, you're a little more staid, you're a little more, um, you know, uh, you, you can't do, you can't go a lot of places, a lot of places aren't open, but you have more time, right? I mean, a lot of us, whatever you do for a living, um, you are likely have more downtime than you've had last week. And so the first thing I'd say is, how are you using that time? You don't have to be, um, you know, sitting across the table or on top of somebody or in a room full of people, you know, closely connected to have connection. Um, You can do that through talking on the telephone. I can do that through um, writing. I can do that through um, you know, social media. And, and if I'm a parent, you know, we were joking, I don't think it was before we started the podcast about being cooped up with your kids, mm-hmm. right? Those of us who have kids, little kids who are not going to school as of yesterday, or uh, yeah, I guess yesterday when it started for most kids, you know, what does it mean to, I mean, you, you're assuming your your kids, you're staying together, you're not separate, you, no one has coronavirus. What does it mean to spend quality time with your kids? Or your spouse, so I think you know uh, there's there's a lot that we could, that are standing right in front of us in our relationships, or even on the phone. You know, my 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 dad, uh, my stepdad, who went through an accident in Florida and is brought back here, and uh, I can tell you, knowing because I just talked to him, that just talking to him on the telephone any day of the week, you know, as long as it's before nine thirty at night, probably. Nothing gives him greater joy than just talking on the telephone to any one of his kids. So there's a lot you can do um, if we're if we're open to it. Yeah. So can you can you help us put some flesh on that on those bones a little bit and talk about that? Um, practically speaking, even for yourself. So you yeah. just mentioned that about your stepdad, yeah. like and giving giving a call. Like, yeah. are there any other ways? That for you, you, as you're thinking about it, and I know this is still early on for yeah. all of us, right? So this is going to take creativity from yeah. us and a lot of intellectual flexibility. But yeah. what is it? What do you think it'll look like, even for yourself, or 
could look like for for some of the rest of us to do something like you're talking about it like simply giving a call that's a great example yeah. what yeah. are some other examples of like maybe some specifics that we can latch on to yeah a little bit well i think number one we could spend some time praying one of the most important things we can do because it just takes time but to, to pray sometimes you have to think about it who do i need to pray for what are some ways, you know, so I think you have to, I think it's really sitting at a table investing some time and praying for people. And, and that might lead to writing them a note, writing It could be people in your family. I mean, you know, that, that has not gone away in all the advancements of technology. We, Pete and I just heard a, a talk on this recently at one of our staff meetings, but here we are in the 21st century, you know, and really the power of a handwritten note that you open tomorrow that says, you know, John, Laura, I thought you did a really great job, this, that, and the other thing. Thank you. It's, it's, it's great to know you as a brother, whatever the case is. That still carries a weight that, that, um, that other things don't, than a text wouldn't even. So I think something like that, which we most you and I would normally say, well, that's great. I don't have time for that. You have time to do that now. Or a phone call. See, we've, we're in a day and age now, I'm like this, I am much more likely to text somebody because I, I have complete control of that. I'm saying what I want to say. If they get back to me, I can wait. They don't know if I'm in a meeting or not. I mean, you know how this goes. So the opportunity to, to make a telephone call, I'll tell you a good example of this. Last week, said, this had really nothing to do with the coronavirus, um, but it was, it was just last week. And a friend of mine who I've known for years, he lives in Texas, and I heard through someone else that something was going on with him. And so I called him. And even though we stay in touch, we're, we're close friends. I have not talked to him on the phone in months. It's not how we communicate. And I just sent him a text and I said, listen, thinking about you and I'd love to um, get a few minutes on, on the phone with you. Um, not in a rush. Call me when you have time. Right? It was very low key about it. I didn't mention anything, and he called me a couple hours later that day, and we had a conversation. And and there's no question that our conversation was far more meaningful than it would have been by a text. So I think writing people, texting people, praying for people, and you know even getting creative. I saw Pete sent out a note to us uh, yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Just showed a, a snapshot, a photograph of him and his uh, some guys he's working with. Um, you know, discipling, and it was just a picture of them on the, uh, you know, the, of the Zoom. I thought, you know, that's that's creative, that's real, that's relationship. So, I think that's one thing we can do. I'll tell you another thing we can do is, you know, I think one of the one of the questions that you had sent me, we were talking earlier before this podcast was, you know, how do we prepare ourselves? How is life different? And I think one of it is that you know I'm only going to be able to be that more authentic Christian. Uh, more generous person, if indeed um, I'm be on the receiving end in my relationship with God. In other words, I need to. One of the other things I can do in this time that our, that everyone listening can do in this time is take a little more time because you have it. Guess what? The switch is going to come back on in six weeks or six months or less, whatever it is. Take the opportunity to develop some deeper habits in your walk with God. I'm only going to be as good to my neighbors, friends, stepdad, family members. Um, I'm only going to be as, as gracious or generous to them 
as I am settled in my walk, as I'm deep with, with Christ is becoming more real to me. I need to be a stronger believer, I should say, to be a more generous um, and loving person. And so one other thing I can do is to, um, is to use this time. And who knows what that could be. It could be prayer. It could be um, thoughtful reading of the scriptures. I mean, you know, taking notes, thinking about um, my faith. And, you know, sometimes we get so busy, it's, it's sort of a, you know, we, we want to get it in and get it out but really giving ourselves some time to explore some of our own questions. What are, you could ask yourself this question, listeners, what are some of the honest questions you have about the coronavirus? Whether it's about things that are far off, like, you know, the, the vulnerable people and in the, what's happening in Italy or in China or in your own family or in your own life, or where is God? You know, uh, why God, why? You know, what are some of your own questions? Spend a little time exploring them. Because we tend to not do that because we're so busy. But maybe what God wants us to do before we open our mouths is open our hearts and, you know, explore some of these questions. So, Well, I'm going to go there. <clears throat> so we're talking about generosity. Um, there's tons of pictures all over the world in the United States of toilet paper being gone. What does generosity look like when I go to the grocery store or... You know, because it, it just seems like right now, what's the balance of being prepared versus hoarding? You know, what do you think Jesus would have to say about that? You know, on the toilet paper thing, I, I confess uh, on my ignorance. I still don't know. We don't want to waste any time on it here, but I, I still don't actually know what the problem is. In other words, they make it in China. or I don't even, because why not toothpaste or why not? I'm sure there's a good answer to that. But to answer your more substantive question, um. You know, I think uh, I, I read this. I think it was in Andy Crouch's letter. If those of you who know Andy Crouch from Praxis wrote a wonderful letter um, that was published. But I think in that letter somewhere he said his advice was um, let's, let's exercise love instead of self-protection. I think those are the words he used. And it makes sense for all of us, you know, to be worried. You know, you brought your Lysol. Right, you guys did what you were told, and of course we ought to be thoughtful. Why wouldn't we? Almost everywhere you go, Wegmans, Browncroft, uh, you know, most uh, places that are still open, um, you know, why not do that? Why not be thoughtful? Um, and and if you have kids, of course you want to be worried about them, as you were mentioning, Pete. So let's let's be smart. If you're in meetings, like we're in one right now, right? This is March the seventeenth or eighteenth or whatever it is, we're 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 close. If any of us had coronavirus, we might catch it, but we're we're being thoughtful, but we're we're in a meeting. We're gonna do whatever we can. But past that, let's let's move beyond self-protection, right? The truth is, likely in our church, some of us are gonna get coronavirus. Likely in our extended families, some of us may get coronavirus. The vast majority of people get coronavirus. They say 80%. Some other people have told me it's, it's closer to the 90s, but even the most you know um, conservative estimates are saying 80% of all people that get this will self-resolve without any treatment whatsoever. So it's, I'm not saying it's not serious, but it's not AIDS virus. It's not something that is a death sentence. Okay, So it's likely that we'll get it, even if we're careful. So let's take precaution but that's, let's move past it to love. So back to the grocery store, you know what? You know, uh, I want to do my best not to um, certainly it be hysterical or, or be caught up in the hysteria, I should say. Um, I think 
you know, I read an article in the paper. I sent it around to some of my family members, and it's just one article, but that said it was it was in the New York Times. I forget who wrote it, but it basically said there is no food shortage. They interviewed the chicken industry. They said basically, in other words, we got plenty. The problem we're having right now, this is an article, we can post it if you want or something, but uh, it said all of our food chains, everything we have, we got plenty of food and the distributions is fine. The problem that you're seeing is understandable that people are um, are hypersensitive because of imperfect information or an un, uh, you know, uh, the, the situation is, is unprecedented. And so they're, they're panicking, but there really isn't a problem. So I think what we need to do is to do our best to get good information, do our best to um, not be so overly focused on ourselves and, uh, you know, take a step back, see how we can serve. And one of the ways we can serve is just maybe um, don't overbuy. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, in in your sermon on Sunday, you mentioned uh, Micah six eight yeah. as one of the passages, and I've always loved yeah. that passage. You mm -hmm. know, like in the grand scheme of things, oftentimes yeah. we have this idea from God of like, "What do you want from me, God?" Like, and I think a lot of us, even th those who are regular listeners to this podcast, I think we all have this concept where we're strug we struggle with God. God, what do you want from me? And really, right. what do you want? And in that passage, Micah mm. 6, 8, you broke it down for us. You know, what he requires for us is to to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with yeah. your God. Right. He says, that's what I require of you. That's what right. I want. Um, how do we live that out in our current state? Yeah. How well, do we live those things out practically in our life? Well, I think for Christians, let's start with us, so to speak. I mean, the Christian point of view, that whole passage, that it's you know, the first seven verses, it's a, the Lord is, is through the prophet is having sort of a, I don't know, sort of a hypothetical situation. I'm taking you to court. Let the mountains, you know, uh, um, witness against you. And he says all these things. Have I not done this? Have I not done this? Didn't I deliver you from Egypt? And he talks even about the crossing of the Jordan into the promised land. And, he, and he's sort of, sort of basically saying, let me in a very short way, in just five verses, remind you of what I have done for you. And the things that are mentioned there are, are, are phenomenal acts of love and deliverance. And then he slows down and says, with that understanding, okay, um, what, what, I, what I most want from you, what I've always wanted from you is relationship. And, and relationship is about receiving God's mercy. It's about um, exercising what comes out of that, you know, justice, you know, even in small ways, right? Back to Pete's question of not pushing ahead so I can grab something at the grocery store and all the way down to something really big. So in to walk humbly with God, and I love the metaphor walk, which the New Testament uses, means, it means how you live your life. So I think how do we do that? I think we need to begin with a, a, a it goes back to what we were saying a few minutes ago, a a, um, a focused recognition of what it is that God has done for us. That's what the first five verses of that chapter are about. Let's remember what God has done for us. And even if I did, God forbid, um, succumb to the coronavirus and be one of those few un unfortunate folks who succumbs to it, oh my gosh, God has been so gracious to me. My life is, is writ large with 
so many blessings, so much forgiveness, so much second chances, and it's it's really full of so much grace. And what I need to be able to do, even in such a time as this, is to be able to acknowledge that and realize that what God wants from most of us, back to, you know, I don't want your thousand, um, you know, offerings and your 10,000 gallons of olive oil or whatever he says. And, and we, we tend to think what God wants from us is it's an appeasement, right? God wants us to appease him with a pound of our flesh or when he says, no, I want a relationship with you. So I think we need to remember that that's what he wants from us. It's grace. It's responding to mercy, right? Loving mercy, being so grateful for what God has done. And then I think how I walk humbly before God and, and is, is to live on my street, is to go to the grocery stores, Pete was mentioning, is to, it's in my relationships, demonstrating as best I can from, my in, from the heart out what uh, my gratitude for what God has done for me. And so that people could spend time with me and say, you know, I don't, I don't know why the coronavirus has upsided my world or whatever the name of the talking. What's the title of this podcast? I don't really know the answer to that, but I'm in a position, even in the midst of it, where I want to listen to you. I want to get out of. I want to. I want to let you get ahead of me in line, and I want to. Um, I want to be a presence of, of peace, and I think that's what it means to walk humbly with God, so that people can look at me and go, "This man, there's something unique about you." And um, and I think we we tend to be you know people who feel like we can always earn our favor, right? I'm going to show you why you should respect me. You should want to be have what I have or make way for me. And we do that with God too, you know. And, and that's not how it works. And I think we can demonstrate to the world, even with our doors closed, what it really means to be a Christian. That's what that's that's why I like about verse two. So, um, you know, let's kind of go here because, um, you know, let's, we'll say six, eight months, it could be a year, you know, at the end of this whole ordeal, you know, as a leader and a pastor of a church, knowing that we have skeptics, we have seekers, you know, what do you hope that people get out of the coronavirus and maybe experience with, with God when we come on to the other side of it? Well, I hope a couple things. I hope one, we, we, we back where I was saying a few minutes ago that all of us ask our hard questions, even if it's privately at our kitchen table, and we're we're drawn deeper into our walk with God. That things that because even because it touches all of our lives. I joked about you know Wegman's in the gym, but it's deeper than that for all of us, and it will get deeper. So one is a deeper a deeper walk with God. I think the second thing is what I hope for all of us back when I mentioned in the sermon about, you know, the um, the experience of the early church, right, in, in the epidemics of the second and third century, and, we, and there's a lot of other examples. But I hope that it puts us more in contact with the um, non-church-going or agnostic or unbelieving, unchurched, dechurched community. Because that, it's it's... It makes sense that as Christians, I spend a lot of my time with the, with the with the body of Christ. That's not that's not a sin or that's not unusual. Like that's right, but at the same time, we're all called to walk and live in this world. We're called to be the body of Christ in the world, and um, I think when when the doors of the church are physically closed, I mean, the only people coming to church right now are the staff, right? I mean, that's it. No one else is, is here at all, and this could go on for months. So. My hope, Pete, is, guys, that we that we 
we don't just sit home and hibernate and, you know, watch Netflix and cable news and, and, and just whatever it is that we do, you know, get tired of ourselves, but that we look for ways, you know, not being, um, you know, living uh, dangerously, but, but out there in the community, getting to know our community in small ways and caring about our community in new ways, such that we have a new appreciation for what it is God has done. You know, this is this, I'll give you one quick negative example in the Bible. You know, the people of God were thrown into exile. Now, if you know the story of the end of your Old Testament, to go from the, the environs of Jerusalem, which was a very small community, very circumscribed, and sort of everybody was similar, and they had same food laws and all that jazz, and to be picked up and replanted into Babylon, which was, you know, your arch enemies who had every kind of thing that you thought was sacred, they thought was not sacred, and you're planted there. And the people were so overwhelmed, they started to believe false ideas. These false prophets came and said, ah, hang on tight. And in two years, I think it's uh, Jeremiah 20, in two years, this will be all over. And then Jeremiah comes and says, don't listen to these prophets. They're, te- they're liars. And let me tell you what the Lord says. You're going to be here for 70 years, not two. But here's my advice. I want you to build homes Marry your children, you know, get, you know, have grandchildren, plant vineyards, get a job, and seek the peace of the city that you've been carried into exile with, which they all thought forever was, was the end of the world, was, was hell itself. Seek the peace of the city of Babylon, for when you seek this peace, when you, you yourselves will find peace. I mean, that was the most counterintuitive message you could have. And I think, in a sense, that's an extreme example. But my hope is, is that our faces and our hearts will be turned to our community and we'll say, you know, what, in other words, what does it mean to be a Christian when the church is closed? That's the title of this whole next six months or six weeks or whatever it is. What does it mean to be the church when the church is closed? And I hope we part of the answer to that is we, we're more, more awake and more in love with the community around us that does not know Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. The picture that you're painting there, Rob, is... Um, both parts scary and exciting at the same time. And I feel like that's, a, that's the season that we're in, in some ways, is both scary and has the potential to do some things in our lives that maybe wouldn't have been done any other way. Yeah. Um, and so maybe appropriate way for us to kind of close this is, is kind of what we do every time and just say, what would Jesus say about this? And to... Uh, to ask ourselves that together and just go, Jesus, what would you say about this situation that we're in right now? Our lives are being, you know, some of us feel like they're being destroyed by the coronavirus. For some of us, it's just they feel topsy-turvy, upside down. But what would Jesus say about this? Peter, you want to bat lead off? You want me to bat lead off? i just put you on the spot there. Sure, sure. Um, You know, I've been thinking a lot. I went to the grocery store at Wegmans. If you... uh, if you don't live in the Rochester area, we we welcome you to the Wegmans family. So anyways, but, um, you know, I was there at 6 a.m. on Saturday, and I was, like, surprised. And if you could be in my mind, I was like, why is that woman grabbing, like, four things of coffee? And why is that person grabbing that? And, you know, I think of Jesus' two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. 
And uh, I just think about both of those. And I thought about that moment about, you know, here I am like worried about not getting coffee and it's not even the coffee brand that I buy. And, you know, just I'm reminded in those little moments where God's kind of jumping in and saying, you know, maybe this is a time that we're clearing out all the distractions so that we can be be more prepared to listen to God. But number two, we can be more aware of our neighbors, more aware of how they're doing. You know, I wish my response in that moment was, man, that woman must feel really, really anxious. And I think that that's been kind of slowing me down a little bit of, you know, a lot of what Rob said, you know, about being generous and just from Sunday and today, you know, there's a way to live life in such a way that that it's not just about me and you can have great boundaries and care about yourself, do the social distancing, but there's also a time where you learn how to love people within the context where are, and that's, I think, what Jesus would say to us. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think we're all kind of struggling with those same kind of concepts, you know? And I, yesterday I was just reading, just so happened, I was reading a passage in John where Jesus had just done this miraculous feeding of 5,000 people with fish and bread and and they all chase him to the other side of this lake. They track him down afterwards and they're like, prove to us that you're God, you know? What sign are you gonna show us? And inwardly, they're all thinking, we want some more of that fish and bread. Like, that's what we want. And in my mind, I instantly went to the grocery store where I was doing the same thing as you, Peter. And people are just so desperate for, for food that the meat, the meat section yesterday when I went was like all bought out. There was no meat in the store whatsoever, you know? And I'm walking in there and that I'm having that visualization at the same time as I'm reading this story of of these people desperate you know and i'm thinking and jesus answer is no 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 he said i'm the bread of life i'm where you can find true sustenance that you're longing for that's beyond just the physical it's what you are longing for in your soul and it caused me to to almost put those two things together in a way that I haven't put them together before just because I live in such a prosperous place. But just to go, what do I yearn for like everybody is yearning for at Wegmans to try to fill their shopping cart? What are those things that I'm yearning to fill the shopping cart with in my life? And yet Jesus is like, no, John, I'm what you're really looking for. And I think that's you know maybe one of the biggest lessons of all of this. Um, is that Jesus is getting us to a place of true dependence where we're really gonna get our needs met in the right place rather than searching for it in the wrong place. So, Rob, take us home. Take us home. Well, I was thinking of the passage that's right next to that one when Jesus is um, you know, walking on the water. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that lesson, I mean, uh, pastors and Bible scholars have said this forever, the church in, is kind of the boat and the and the storm, you know, the whole much of Jesus' ministry is on this little Sea of Galilee, and it becomes a metaphor for the church, which hadn't even started yet. And here, the church as it existed is in this boat, and 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 Jesus sent them out. Right? He he went up to pray. He went out. He knew the storm was coming. He waited and delayed. We would think he's sovereign. He waited and delayed until things were pretty dicey. It says the boat had drifted. 
um, had been buffeted by the winds or whatever. These were professional sailors. So it was beyond their control to stay close to the shore, which was the plan. They were just going east to west. So in some ways you could say that's a metaphor for life. And Jesus um, sent them out there, and it's a reminder that um, you know, life, coronavirus, or uh, you know, difficulty is part of life, and that really what we learn in an acute way is that the difference between what we think is perfect security and wealth and comfort and, and crisis is actually much more paper thin than we think. Mm-hmm. And, and think about it. Who would have thought that a virus, you can't even see it. It's not, it's not, an, it's not a military um, uh, army. It's not, you know, um, some kind of, uh, you know, uh, overtaking. It's, it's not a tornado, you know. It's, you can't even see it. It's an invisible microscopic virus that, for whatever reason, in some market in China, so we think, no, um, has covered the globe in the course of a series of weeks and months and has brought the world to its knees. So, but what I... What my hope is, is to realize that Jesus says to his disciples, courage it is I, don't be afraid. And he doesn't say, which he said a few chapters earlier, you know, let's, you know, calm and let's stop the storms. Sometimes he does that, but he just says, remember in the midst of the storm that I am with you. Kind of what you were saying in another way. And what does it mean to live life in a storm, in the coronavirus um, with me, and we, we, you know, we give Peter such a hard time. He's an easy person to, you know, um, you know, uh, just mock or or put up there as a, you know, uh, someone to to point out their failures. Peter the apostle, but really, in that moment, uh, Peter said, "Lord, command me to come." In fact, I want to I want to be able to stand on this storm with you. So that's that's my hope for us. And whether it hits us or not, it's touching every life. It's touching our everyday lives. And whether we're looking at our children or looking at our spouse or looking at our lost community to say, you know what? Um, my Christ is with me. Whether you say those words or not, or my life demonstrates that. I am, God gives me the strength to work through this. And um, um, I hope that you come to experience that as well. So that's my hope. Wow. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Canelani, we're so glad to have you here. Um, These are bonus episodes, too, and so we have a second bonus episode that's coming up after this with Jason DeGraff about uh, community, so we're looking forward to that. Um, I know that we talk about you writing reviews on, you know, Apple Podcasts and stuff, and we'd appreciate that, but I think with this episode, we really just want you to email this to a friend who you think needs it, text it, uh, live out this episode, so need anything else from us uh we're at whygodwhypodcast.com and uh thank you so much for joining us